Thanks, James. Morning, guys. I am so glad you're here today. Thanks for being a part of our service this morning, despite the snow and everything else going on outdoors. It's so great to see you here. Uh, we're starting a brand new series today called Life on Mission, and it's going to be a five-part series. We're talking about the five great things that, as individuals and collectively as a community of faith, that God has called us to. And today we're talking about loving God, just like the song we just sang. A few years ago, I got an email from a woman who had been a part of our church for about a year, and she... Uh, uh, left East Point, left, sent me an email, and she basically said, and here's, here's what her email said in her words, says she was looking for something deeper and someone who taught deeper truth to the church. And I've been in the middle of a series called Sacred Obsession, talked a lot about love, and, and her response, her reaction to that was, well, I'm looking for something deeper. And I told her uh, in a kind reply what I want you to hear today. There's nothing deeper, nothing more important than our love for God, absolutely nothing. It doesn't get any deeper than that. Unfortunately, I think sometimes uh, the problem with us, and I include myself in that us, we veteran Christians, anybody who's been around for a while, is that sometimes we hear something so often in, in so many different ways and so much that we stop listening, that we stop actually hearing it. I've got outside my house these wind chimes. Now, I love wind chimes. It's not because I'm warding off evil spirits. I, I, it's not into new age. I just like the, the way they sound. I think they're cool, the way they look. And I've got this big old monster wind chime outside my front door. And it blows all the time. I live in a part of Spokane Valley, which the wind blows through this valley quite a bit, and I hear uh, the chimes from time to time, but generally I don't hear them. It's like I know they're there, but I don't actually hear them because I hear them all the time. Uh, I used to play guitar for years and years. started when I was 16 and, and I played guitar for years, and the more you play the guitar, the calluses you build up on your fingertips. That's there to protect you so that when you're playing, you know, you're not shredding your fingers literally and hurting yourself. But your calluses actually affect your sensitivity. You don't feel things like you used to. I think sometimes our hearts get calloused. We have heard things so often, so many times, that some of us think, well, yeah, 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 I've been there, done that. And when I, say, when I said, we're gonna talk about the love of God and our love for him, I know something like, yeah, okay, I've been there a thousand times. And for you, unfortunately, it's just become maybe white noise, white noise in the background of your soul. Yeah, 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 I know God loves me, can we move on to something bigger? Yeah, I know loving God matters, but can we get to something cool? How about if we talk about like revelation or something really exciting? And they are, and I can relate because I have been ADHD Christians who are easily bored and want some new stimulation, some mysterious thing, some mystical revelation to keep their attention. But guys, I'm here to tell you. In fact, I told the worship team when we were in the back uh, praying together before the first service this morning, I'm a little nervous today because I want you guys to hear this. I want you to understand how important this is. It's our number one purpose. Loving God is first and foremost for us. If you're a Christ follower, if you're not yet, then you're off the hook. But if you're a Christ follower, you need to understand that the one thing that must, absolutely must mark our lives as Christians, as Christ followers, is a passionate and radical love for God. It's the reason why it's our number one purpose here, loving God. It, that's the one thing that ought to mark our lives consistently more than anything else. And by the way, I didn't make that up. That isn't just me coming up with a great idea. Jesus himself said this in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus, when asked, what's the first and most important commandment? What's number one? Jesus didn't flinch. He didn't hesitate. He said, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And notice here he said, you must. It was like, hey, if you guys feel like it, if you're having a good day, if you really have got all, you know, you're, everything else is going good in your life, then love God. Now, the call, the challenge for us is we must. You must love God with all your heart, soul, 
mind and strength. Simply put, God wants us all in. He wants us all in, why? Because he went in all in for us. God loved you beyond measure by sending his one and only son for you. He was all in, he sacrificed his best. And God says, I've loved you that way and I want you to love me that way in return. He asks us to love him with our all, with everything. All right, well, what does a radical all-in love for God look like? I've never been accused of being very profound or philosophical, but I can be pretty practical. And I wanna pack some things, and if you wanna take notes on the back side of your bulletin this morning, let's talk about what it looks like. What are three marks of those who are all in? Here's the first one, number one. When you're all in, you'll have no other gods before the Lord. When you're all in, you'll have no other gods, small g, before the Lord. Now, honestly, this is tougher than most of us realize. I doubt that any of you have a Buddha or a Krishna in your living room that you bow down to. At least I hope not. But it's easy, too easy for us to be overly captivated by a thing, by an activity, or by a person. And when we go there, when that happens, when we give that thing, that activity, that person, the first place in our heart and lives, then we end up making a God out of that. We might not sit you know, and worship that thing or that person, we might not offer animals as a sacrifice to, to it. I hope you don't. But God knows our hearts. He knows our human nature. And that's why he gave the very first commandment in Exodus chapter 20 is this one. Exodus 20 verse two and three says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You must have no other gods besides me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. From the very beginning, with God's people, and it's still true for us today as New Testament believers, God says, I need to be, I want to be, I must be number one in your life. God told the Israelites, because of who I am, I am the Lord, and because of what I've done, I set you free. And by the way, he is our Lord, and he set us free. Because of that, he says, I demand, in fact, I deserve to be first and foremost in your life. Number one. Some of you are aware, because you read my blog, but I recently posted something about how uh, God challenged me to, to what I'm calling take an antisocial uh, approach for the 2017. And by that I mean a few days before the end of the year, uh, the Lord just spoke to my heart. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was one of those times where God says, come here, I got something I want you to think about. And the Lord said, I want you to, to, to give up. Would you give up social media and TV for 2017? Now, I'll be honest, I wish I could tell you that my immediate response was, yes, oh Lord. I will gladly obey you and follow your commands. My reaction was, no. You gotta be kidding me, God. Social media is important and that's how I communicate to people and, and television, I mean, what's gonna happen on, on Madam Secretary? I can't give that up. And I had an argument. Anybody else argue with God occasionally? Once in a, a couple of you are honest, that's good, thank you. I, was, I argued with God for a while and finally came to the point where I said, okay, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, then I'll do it. And I have, I'm, I think like day nine or 10 now of actually giving up social media and television. And I'm here to tell you, there's life after that. In fact, it's pretty good. My wife and I have been playing Yahtzee every night. It's really weird, but good. And, and it's, I, there's so many things that are happening in my, but here's the point. Why did God do this? I'm getting it now. I'm realizing now that I'm kind of free from that or getting free is that I made those things a God in my life. Now I'm not putting this on anybody else. Don't go home and tell your spouse or your kids, Pastor Kurt said we have to give up TV. They will hate me. So I'm not suggesting that, but what I am saying is anytime there's something in your heart that tends to matter more to you than it ought to, you can expect God to do one of these. Hey, would you give that up? Hey, do you love me more than that? And by the way, God doesn't demand to be first in our lives because he's insecure. It's not like God saying, oh, if you don't put me first, I'm gonna feel bad about myself. 
It's not God being a holy narcissist where he's got to have all the attention because you know, that feeds his ego. Not at all. God demands, asks, deserves to be first, and he asks that of you and me for one really important reason, because that's what's best for you. That's what's best for us. When we put God first and foremost in our lives, that's when we discover and live life on mission. This series is called Life on Mission. And by the way, last Sunday, I talked kind of an intro to this whole series, talked about living the adventure in 2017. And one of the things I said in that message was we've gotta be willing to say yes to God. But I need you to hear this. I need you to understand that God calls us to give our all, to love him with all that we are, because he knows that's what's best for us. That's what's best for you. That's where you will discover the adventure of following Jesus. That's where you will discover your life and the purpose God has for you when you live on mission and say yes to him. And here's another thing. In fact, it's the next bullet in your outline. We become what we behold. We become what we behold, meaning we are shaped into the image of what we love and desire most. We become like the idols of gods we form. We do. Just for fun, let's say that you have uh, Lady Gaga is your idol, and you, you love her, and you, you think she's awesome, and you just can't get enough of Lady Gaga. And, and I, I'd be willing to bet, especially if you're a woman, not a guy, I'm not sure, but maybe, that you probably, there's parts of you that says, man, I want to dress weird. I want to be like her. I want to be unique. I want to be my own person. There's, it's normal for us. We tend to become what we behold. We become like the thing that we give our hearts to. And the only way for you to look more like, sound more like, live more like God is to give him first place in your life, to fix your hearts on him above all else. We become what we behold. You become what you behold. And God wants you to become more like him because he knows that's where you're gonna experience joy and adventure and life on mission. No other gods before him. That's the first mark of one who loves him with their, their all. Here's the second one, number two. When you're all in, you hold nothing back. When you are all in, you will hold absolutely nothing back. To love God with all our hearts, minds, and souls means that we are so consumed by him and by his love for us and by our love for him that there's nothing that we hold back from him. There's nothing that we grasp and refuse to surrender to him. C.S. Lewis once said this, we are too often half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and, and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Basically what he's saying is too often we choose the lesser. We choose things that are, that are so far from what God has for us. We settle for lesser things and lesser loves and in the process we lose our joy and we lose our God-given purpose on planet Earth. And that's why Jesus called us to not only love him first and foremost, to love him with all, but to actually give him this place of, of treasure in our hearts where we are willing to put everything in to acquire the treasure of the kingdom of God. Matthew 13, Jesus shares a couple of what I call mini parables, uh, but they make a point. Matthew 13, verse 44 through 46, let me read it to you. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Listen, the kingdom of heaven, or kingdom of God, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, which uh, other places in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, especially the, the other three gospels, it's referred to as the kingdom of God. But when he says the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about heaven in the sweet by and by. He's not talking about what, that place we go to when we die and we go to be with him. He's talking about the here and now. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at 
hand. The kingdom of God is near. It's right here. And the emphasis there is on kingdom. The kingdom, and we've defined this before. If you're new, let me tell you what it means. He's saying the rule and reign. God's rule and reign is right here to influence, to impact, to change the way we live, to change the way we think, to change our lives. The kingdom of God is at hand where his rule and his reign deeply affects us and everything about us. And it's, it's in the, a way of life that is demonstrated through God's word and his ways and his life being expressed in our hearts and our lives and what we say and what we do. And therefore, we'll sacrifice whatever it takes for the treasure, for what, whatever it takes for that love, for that, that great worth. The, the, the man sold, found the treasure field and says he went and sold all that he had. The guy found the mother pearl, the pearl of all pearls, and he went and sold everything he had. And they did so in joy. Don't miss that. They did it in joy. Why? Because they saw the value in the treasure. Because they saw the value in what was there. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign in your life, through your life, is the treasure worth everything. That's the attitude we need to have regarding God's kingdom. We hold nothing back. We hold nothing back to, to acquire it, to experience it, to live it. You know, throughout the word, one of the things that's clear, and Jesus made it very clear, is that our hearts and our treasures are linked. Our hearts and our treasures are linked. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your heart is, treasures, that's where your heart is also. Where your treasure is, that's where you'll find your heart. And they're linked. It's just reality of who we are, the way we're wired. Where, where we have our treasure, that's where our heart is. Where our heart is, that's where our treasure is. And Jesus was talking in context of Matthew 6 about possessions and things and putting God first. And, and people, people get nervous when pastors go to this first because they think he's gonna talk about money. And I'm, I'm, some of you already thought, oh, here comes the money talk. Let me explain something to you. In fact, in 14 years, we, we just celebrated our 14th anniversary. 14 years, maybe once or twice a year, I talk specifically an entire message about giving or, or uh, our offerings, ties to God. A couple times a year, I talk about it. But every time, listen, every time I address the issue of giving of our treasures, I talk about our hearts because Jesus linked them and because I know that they're connected to each other. Your heart and your treasure are linked. This is a heart issue. You know that there are literally websites and organizations that have been established to help pastors teach their people about giving. Did you know that? May not have known that. Yep, there really are. There, there are entire organizations and websites out there that are designed to help pastors teach their people about giving. And I have friends that follow their, their pattern and use their stuff every week, and they do a mini-sermon every week talking about giving and tying in. And, and I, I'm not shaming them for doing so, but here's what I've discovered. And I've been doing this a long time. Here's what I've discovered. If you land on the, the real issue, if you land on the heart issue, then the other, everything else follows. I don't have to talk about, you need to serve more. I love Jesus more, and you'll want to serve. You need to give more. Just love Jesus and you'll hold nothing back. This is a heart issue. This is why Jesus addressed this first and foremost. When you love him with your all, then you'll hold nothing back from him. In fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, God loves a cheerful giver. And you cannot be a cheerful giver unless you've addressed the issue of what's in your heart. Here's the deal. When you make a decision to become a Christ follower, and some of you made that recently, some of you are investigating what that means, but some of you have been walking with Jesus for a while. When you made that decision, listen to me, God didn't ask for just part of your life. In fact, God doesn't ask for part of you, he asked for all of you. All of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. All. Now trust me, I know that sounds extreme. I know that sounds radical. 
And I realized for some, man, that just, that sounds way too much. I don't know if I can do that. And without God's help, none of us can. But I need you to understand something today. To be all in is to be all in. To be all in is to be all in. The idea of holding something back is not found in the scriptures. Jesus is no part-time Lord. He's not looking for part-time disciples. We don't just kind of add God to a part of our life. Well, I give God an hour on Sunday. He's gonna, I kind of got my God thing going on in that hour unless there's a Seahawks game. No, God doesn't ask for part of us. He asks for all of us. He's not passive in his love toward you, and he doesn't want you to be passive in your love toward him. He doesn't want lip service. He wants life service. Your whole heart, your whole life committed to him. And we get this in our human relationships. No wife wants a part-time husband. First service, I got a lady that said amen to that. I think she embarrassed her husband, so don't do that. No wife wants a part-time husband. No husband wants a part-time wife. No kid wants a part-time parent. We get it in our human relationships. Why don't we understand this in our relationship with our maker, with God? That God is not looking for part-time believers. He wants you all in to hold nothing back. I was having a conversation some time ago at Starbucks with a guy, and he was investigating what it means to become a Christ follower. He had some great questions. He said, hey, can we get together and talk? I said, I'd love to. And we sat at Starbucks and we talked for about an hour, hour and a half. And he asked great questions. And at the end, here's the last question he asked me. He says, what's it gonna cost me? What do I have to do to become a Christ follower? What's it gonna cost me? What does God expect from me? Man, I was totally impressed with that question. Because more often than not, I'll just be honest, here's what I hear from people. What's in it for me? Okay, I'll become a Christian, but what do I get out of this? What's in it for me? This guy, he was way beyond that. He, he understood something that some of us haven't figured out yet. He said, what does God expect from me? And I didn't blink. I said, everything, everything. And for just about two seconds, you saw this, oh, crap, look on his face. <laughs> everything? And then I quickly inserted, I said, but listen to me. It's the reasonable response when you understand that God has given us everything for you. God has given his very best for you. He's loved you without measure. He loves you without any boundaries. He gave his one and only, his very best. He gave his son for you. He gave you everything. Your next breath belongs to God. And so it's a reasonable response to give our all to him. Hold nothing back. No other gods before the Lord. He's first, and then we just surrender. We hold nothing back. That's a mark of someone who loves him passionately. There's one final one, and it's the most important sign of all. To be all in, to have radical love. Number three, when you're all in, you participate. You will participate in passionate worship of God. You will participate. You'll engage in passionate worship of God. Throughout the scriptures, both Old and the New Testament, throughout church history, as a matter of fact, those who were devout and those who were all in were people who fervently and enthusiastically worshiped the Lord. I mean, you, you, you read the word, you find an example, hundreds of them. You look at church history, in fact, every great movement of God where God did something powerful in a culture and a, a generation it, it was connected to worship. I'm old enough to where some of you can remember the Jesus people movement, and I was a part of that in the 70s, early 70s. And one of the great marks of the Jesus people movement was what? Incredible, passionate, simple love and worship of God. It was in every great movement throughout history of where God moved profoundly in a generation or in a culture, there's worship tied to it. You see people, devout people, worshiping with God with their voices, raised in praise and worship. And you see in the scriptures, Old New Testament, people lifting their voice, shouting to the Lord, worshiping God, singing to him. You find them expressing their love with their whole bodies, with every part of their physical being. Sometimes 
kneeling before the Lord, prostrate on their face before God, with their hands lifted in praise, clapping. You find him dancing, you find David dancing in, in, in basically his underwear in front of the ark of the Lord, and dancing in worship before God. Now, I do not want anybody to dance in their underwear here at East Point, let me make that clear. But guys, you, you see this pattern that those who are devout in their worship, devout in their love for God, expressed it. And I was talking with a guy some time ago and he said, well, that's just not me, that's just not who I am, I'm just not that guy, and so this is how he usually worships. Doesn't engage, doesn't involve himself, doesn't do anything. And he was telling me, that's just not who I am. And I know this guy, and I happen to know for a fact that, this was years ago now, he's got, he had Seahawks season tickets. And I know this guy. I said, dude, when you go to a Seahawk game, I know what you do. You're the guy standing on his chair, screaming at the top of your voice. You come home, you can't talk for two days, you scream so loud. You're telling me that you can't express physically anything for God and worship. And at a Seahawks team, you go, Seahawks, Seahawks, Seahawks! He goes crazy. And his wife is standing there as I'm talking. She goes, some of you have been to Zag games, and you will tell me, and I'm not thinking, nobody said this, in, sitting in this room that I can think of, you will tell me, well, I just, I, I just can't get involved in an emotional expression of worship. That just seems a little too weird to me. And you go to Zag games, and they put the TV on you because you're so weird. <laughs> they find you because you're the guy that's going crazy, or the gal that's going ballistic. It's normal. Listen, what my point is, I'm not talking about emotionalism this out-of-control expression of stuff. I'm saying it's, it's normal to be emotional, to express our hearts to God. Listen, and this is important you hear this. You don't get to decide if you're going to worship. You do not get to decide if you're gonna worship. We all worship something or someone. Every one of us do. We all worship something or someone. It's our human nature to worship. It's how we're wired. We were created to worship, period, end of story. You worship, every one of you worships something. The only two choices we have are who we will worship, and how we will worship, who we will worship, and how we will worship. From time to time, again, some will say, well, I just can't sing, so I don't. And I love to tell them, well, the Bible says in Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So maybe what you do is, is more like noise than singing, but the Bible says, go for it. So well, man, when I sing, you know, kids cry and, and dogs howl, it doesn't matter. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Sometimes people say, well, it's just, it's kind of too loud for me, and I don't know, you know, all the drums and the bass and the thumping, it just seems like I'm at a concert. And I, and I go, have you read the book? Second Chronicles 5, I'll give you one example, where they, in the dedication of the temple, they brought in hundreds of priests who were singing and 120 trumpets. I played the trumpet from like third grade through junior high in band. I was first chair. But anyhow, I, I played the trumpet. Trumpets are not quiet. There's nothing melodic and gentle about like a guitar or a harp. Trumpets are in your face. 120 trumpets, voices lift in, in praise and worship to God. You think it was a little loud? Uh-huh. Have you read Revelation chapter five and six where the picture is of billions, all of heaven, exalting God, worshiping God. You don't like it loud here. Oh boy. My point is, again, and I'm gonna be clear on this, is that we make a choice at how we're gonna worship. And worship is more than just music. We worship with our life, we worship with our service, yes, but music matters, music is important. And to illustrate that point, I wanna show you just a small, short movie trailer, and there's something wrong with this, you'll notice it right away, let's watch this together.
I think once you probably notice that there's something missing in that, what is it? It's the music. And I read in the, one of my favorite books right now, uh, People of the Second Chance, he said there's an old adage in movie making. You watch the film, but you feel the music. You watch the film, but you feel the music. And music and the soundtrack matters because it's how we humans connect. It's how we express ourselves. It's how we express our feelings and our emotions. How many of you have a love song with your honey? Something, yeah, come on, raise it up. If you don't, you're not sure, just raise your hand anyhow. You probably do. My wife and I, it's, it's Love in a, a Time in a Bottle by a Jim Croce. Yeah, I know I'm old. But it's like every time we hear that song, on the oldest station, we get all romantic and things. Because it's, because it's our song. Because music is a part of our life, and it's something that we express ourselves. And to illustrate how much music matters, let's watch the same clip again, at least part of it, and let's watch it with the music this time. Who are you? I'm no one. I was raised to do one thing. But I've got nothing to fight for. Same clip, guys, but completely different feel because there's music. Music matters. Worship matters even more. Listen to me. Worship matters. It's the soundtrack of our hearts full of passion and a radical love for the Father. And it's not emotionalism. It's not excessive, out-of-control display of feelings. It is something that we express our passion, our love for God. Because love always touches the heart and our emotions are always in response to something that we've been touched by. Emotions are normal. Emotions are good. If you don't think so, guys, ask your wife. Expressing our emotions is good. It's healthy. And God wants us in our worship of him to not be, you know, caught up in emotionalism, but to use our, all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, all of our being to worship God. One last story. We're gonna finish with worship. One last song, and I'm done. Years ago, um, I had an experience that changed my life. I, I grew up in church. From the time I was a week old, I'd been a part of church. And this was back in the day when you went to Sunday school and then you went to church and you sat there bored to tears as a kid and then you went to Sunday night and then you came back for Wednesday night and that didn't include Royal Rangers and youth group and choir practice. I mean, church was my life. I just, that's what we did back in the day. I know that's kind of weird for some of you now, but that's the way I grew up. But I was 17 years old before I ever really experienced what I'm talking about in terms of passionate worship toward God. Now, I'm not throwing the church that I was a part of under the bus. Or, you know, they believed in God, they worshiped God, I memorized scriptures. A whole lot of great things happened in my childhood because of the church that I grew up in. But sadly, it was not until I was 17 years old, and I remember, because I was a senior in high school, Laura and I were sweethearts. Friends of ours said, hey, why don't you come with us down to this place called Calvary Chapel? And they're doing this worship concert thing with this group called Love Song, and I think you'll enjoy it. So we went with our friends and we said, we walked in this room, the first time I'd been in a room with like 2,000 people, and then this group called Love Song and Chuck Gerard and some of you like, oh yeah, some of you like, who? But this, they, they led worship and it was really, it was supposed to be a concert, it turned out to be this amazing time of worship. 2,000 people with their hands lifted, with their hearts lifted, and I had never experienced that before in my life and it changed me. 
it changed me. It, it's, it, something happened in my soul that this is worship. This is what I needed. This is what I've missed in my first 17 years. Since that time, literally hundreds, probably thousands of times, I've experienced those moments again. I experience them here on a regular basis where I just get lost in the, in the presence of God and express my heart and my love for him. And it changes you when you do. It changes you when you express what's here. The question is, what's here? Do you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for being so patient with us. That you do love us more than we can possibly imagine and that your call for us to love you is challenging. But you're right there helping us every step along the way. And today, Lord, I have prayed all week and I pray right now that you would please open hearts to hear what you want them to hear today. God, I, some of us, we've heard about loving you before and it, it's, it, the, those words have for too long perhaps fallen on, on hard soil. Lord, tenderize our hearts today. Tenderize our, our, our souls, Lord. Help us to be willing to express our hearts and our love to you, to grow. God, where we've held on to things that we shouldn't hold on to, help us to let them go today. God, where we've put other things before you, help us to put you back in that place of priority first and foremost in our hearts and our lives. But Lord Jesus, I pray that we would leave here today transformed by an understanding that we have been loved, loved by you, and that response is to love you then with all that we are. Keep your head bowed, your eyes closed for a minute. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. And I want to pray a very simple prayer. What matters is if this is you and you want to begin your life, man, I, I know what I said, it is challenging. Yeah, you're telling me I got to be all in? Uh-huh. I got to surrender my life? Uh-huh. And that's what Jesus called you to. So I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what he said, but I will tell you this as well. You'll never regret that choice. It'll change your life. It changes your eternal destiny. And that's where you discover who God made you to be. That's where you discover the joy that he has for you. That's where you discover your life on mission, on God's mission. And if you're ready today to begin your life's Christ followers, just make this prayer. I'm gonna pray right now. Make it yours. Make it personal. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and sacrificed your life on that cross for my sins. I get it. You love me that much. And right here, right now, I surrender my life to you. You surrendered your life for me on that cross. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you live. I believe you want to live in me. So right here, right now, I say yes to you. I want to begin my life, my journey, following you from here to eternity. And so I give my all to you because you gave your all for me. Because I know you love me right here. I choose to love you. Now, if that's you, if that's your heart, and you're always saying, yep, God, that's me. That's what I want. And that's when you begin that journey. It's you surrender your all to him. Thank you, Lord, for those making that decision. But for all of us today, help us leave here with a renewal of passion for you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to do two things. We're going to finish with that uh, song we sang just a bit ago about our love for God. Jesus, we love you. And I, I want to challenge you. Maybe you kind of went through the motions the last time. Don't go through this time. Sing it with all your heart. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. We're also going to take our offering right now. And we're going to encourage you to give because you love the Lord. And just give us expressing your love and worship to him. But I'll come back. Let's worship. Hearing you guys behind me sing that just blesses me. You know, John wrote 1 John 4. We love him because he first loved us. 
We have the capacity to love God because he first loved us. All I want you to do is to live loved, to remember the love that he's for you. And in response to that, live loved. Love it with all your heart. Today, if you begin your life as Christ follower, I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Let them know. We've got bags and baskets by the doors. It's got a Bible, a book, some material you can start your walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up. We want to journey with you in this newfound beginning for you as a follower of Jesus. Prayer team will be down front. There's communion available always on both sides of the room if you'd like to take that today. I uh, encourage you, please, this week, go sign up today. You can attend EP 101. Been here 10 years or one year. I want you to sign up for that next Sunday. There's no Seahawks game next Sunday afternoon, so there's no excuse. And uh, sign up for that or 201 if you already have that. And my, my hope for you is that you'll go this week living the love that you have, that you'll live in response to the love God has for you. But I also pray that you'll be safe out there. Be safe going home. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here.